This is the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Hey there, welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show. I'm Laura Bellata, your host and love connector from Single in the City. And today we've got a special guest, Dr. Jane Greer. She's a pro at understanding relationships and has tons of experience as a therapist, author, and radio host. And we're chatting about some real stuff tonight, denial, trust, and intimacy. How do these things affect our relationships and how can we keep them from falling apart? Stick with us as we break down these interesting parts of love and give you simple tips to make your own love story even better. We've got a lot to talk about, so let's dive in. Hello, Jane. You are so beautiful. How are you today? And I love your the color you're wearing. That's my favorite color, and I think I'm wearing yours. <laughs> yes, indeed you are, and you are more than gracious. You are such a lovely, lovely Laura, gracious host. It's an absolute pleasure and joy to be here with you to talk about what I love talking about the most, relationships, and specifically how to make them stronger, healthier, better, how to make them, remember the commercial, be all that you can be, yeah. <laughs> how to do that. Yeah. Now, we have a lot to talk about. So let's start the show um, with diving into a very important aspect of dating and relationships, which is denial. Mm-hmm. It's a huge player when it comes to love, and we've all been there in one way or another, So why does denial show up so often in the dating scene and how does it impact the building of relationships? Well, so the thing about denial is there are four four pieces to it that I talk about. Wishing and hoping, missing the signs, believing what you're told, and turning a lot into a little. So if we take them one at a time, what happens for so many people when they are dating, they're they're driven by wishing and hoping. There's the fantasy of who this guy or who this gal is going to be when they go out on the first date. There's the vision of what their future is going to be. You're, you're meeting somebody and it's like, are you the one for me? I've had my patients say to me, you know, I tried the name out. Could I be Mrs. So-and-so? The whole plot unfolds on date one. So as a result, there's so much desire that it truly blocks what's right in front of you and reality. And it becomes very easy because you're driven by this wish for this person to be the one. I mean, Taylor Swift sings about it. Are you the one for me? That you literally deny Mm -hmm. who they are, how they behave, and how it leaves you feeling. Yeah, we sometimes... We don't want to see the red flags. We don't want want to acknowledge certain truths. So we put on these rosy glasses, hoping that things are going to get better than they actually are. In the early stages, we might ignore warning signs or convince our signs that everything is fine. You know, maybe we've been out of a relationship for a long, long time. And then you're right. We finally meet someone and the sparks are there and you're thinking, this is it. I hope this is it. And so we ignore the signs. Can you share practical advice on recognizing and addressing denial in the early stages of a relationship? Absolutely. Well, I love that you said rose-colored glasses because <laughs> look at the color of my book. It oh, is I love it. Yeah. Am I That's lying great. to myself? Can you tell us what the what the name of your book is, please? The book is called Am I Lying to Myself? 
how to overcome denial and see the truth. You know, we all lie to ourselves. We all need to make things not so bad, not so terrible. But the the things that happen, I call them the watch out signs. And they are oftentimes small little details. They're not the big glaring things like he lies to your face or steals something from you. They're the small things. Like if you read a pack of cigarettes, it says, warning, cigarette smoking can be hazardous to your health. Well, I say, read the small print, look for the small details, because otherwise it's hazardous to your emotional health. What are some of the watch out signs, the small details? Well, he tells you he'll be by there at seven o'clock to pick you up. And you haven't heard from him by 7.30, quarter to eight. And then when he does show up, you're getting all this malarkey about what happened. He had a meeting. It ran late. I've had women that the men would say, I I would like to come and date, you you know, pick you up, but I'm not going to be that far uptown or I'm not going to be in your city. And they keep them at arm's length. They never come to the woman. It's always meet me or come to where I am. I had one gal, she was standing in front of a pet store and she was talking about the dog in the window. And this guy came along really cute. They started to click, you know, have a conversation. And he says to her something, well, you know, I would never get a dog. That's a seven year commitment. So seven, it's a lot longer than that. Sorry. Yeah, about exactly. He was 17 and, when he died. <laughs> absolutely. And more significantly along the same lines is, if you can't commit to a pet, how are you going to commit to a relationship? So when she told me, he called her up, he wanted to go out. I said, and what did you say? She said, well, I thought about what we talked about, the watch out signs. And I thought, this guy's not going to be able to commit to a relationship. So she didn't go. That's what you want to do. You want to pay attention to, I had another woman, they went on, they were going on a first date. He shows up in flip-flops and shorts. And, you know, that's okay for lunch, but not Friday night at a restaurant. Not only is he inappropriately dressed, but then he's made no reservation anywhere. So they're walking along for about half an hour, 40 minutes, going into all these different restaurants. She's starving. And she was so put out by it that she said, you know what? This doesn't work for me. But I've had women who have gone out on the second date because the denial is, He was rushed that day. He didn't feel well. He had to help his family out. So I understand. Mm -hmm. What about inconsistency? Because that's a big one. Someone who's consistent, that's what you need to look out for, right? Someone who shows up on a regular basis and does what they say they're going to do. Well, you're hitting the nail on the head because you just hit the core of the foundation of trust. What Not what you say, but what you say and what you do. And so particularly with your if you're on a date with somebody or they, they tell you they're going to call you and they don't. Or they tell you they've made plans to go away for the weekend and then cancel at the last minute. All the inconsistencies stack up to a roadblock and it's going to turn into a going nowhere relationship because you're with a go nowhere guy. Now let's talk about the subtle signs that often slip under the rug in longer term relationships. 
things like maybe shifts in time spent together, for example. Well, you know, emotional distance. That's another one that I can think of. Yeah, people, people have different needs of time together. And so they take space. And very often when somebody is much less committed in the relationship than the other person, they will come up with a, a variety of excuses and reasons, all of which, when you look at one at a time, are plausible. But for example, I had a patient in the past, every time he would break a plan with her to go away for the weekend, to come in, he was he lived about an hour, two hours away for a visit. He had a family crisis. His grandmother fell. He had to take his brother to the hospital. There was always something happening that he had to take care of a family member. So when it was happening the third time, I said to her, wait, let me tell you, here's why he's not coming. And she looked at me and said, how did you know? I said, more importantly, how did you not know? Every time he gave her a plausible, feel sorry for me, excuse and reason. And she believed it because she's a good person. She wanted to be understanding. How could she get angry with him if he's just being nice and looking out for a family member? Never saw the inconsistency had a consistent pattern. Yeah, I love all that. Yeah. And also some other subtle signs that may slip under the radar in long-term relationships, changes in affection. Oh, absolutely. Changes in affection, changes in attention, changes in the activities that they look to involve you in, that they, you know, there's what I call me versus we time and how much they look to spend with you or not. So the the continuity, the way the relationship begins, how frequently you talk to each other, how much you express your feelings to each other, all of that needs to have endurance or the relationship will not endure. And thank you. And changes in communication, intuition, sometimes your gut feeling can pick up on subtle shifts in a relationship. Well, usually it does, especially for women. But listen, Dr. Greer, we just scratched the surface of relationships and there's more to come. So stick around, guys. We'll be back in a bit after a break to keep the conversation going. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's News. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellata and we're back with Dr. Jane Greer to dive deeper into the psychology of denial and trust in romantic relationships. All right, let's continue our conversation. What a good conversation. You're great. Okay, oh, why, did it, why is it so important to admit when we're in denial about stuff in our own lives? And how does facing up to that denial really help make our love life even better? Okay, that is such a great question because... Denial serves a purpose. We we like you were talking before your gut. You pick up your gut is hmm, this is not adding up. What he told me and what I just saw that doesn't make sense. And then you make it make sense. You dismiss your gut and you turn it into yeah that could that that probably did happen. That way you don't have to deal with an unpleasant truth or an unpleasant reality, if he is lying, if he is flirting with somebody else, if he seems to have lost interest in you, instead of being direct and confronting it, 
you deny it. You say, no, it can't be. He wouldn't do that. I'm reading into it. I'm making it much more than it is, turning a little into a lot. And that's how people try to protect themselves. They try to protect themselves from the pain they fear could be around the corner by missing, by blocking it out. The problem is that it only gets bigger. It's, you know, if you have a little bump and you say it's nothing and you wait, instead of it being nothing, it could become a stage one or stage two cancer. We, you need to deal directly with what goes on in your life, no matter how unpleasant or upsetting it could be, because that's the only way you can have control of your life, have options and make choices, and most importantly, truly protect yourself from pain. Because otherwise you're going to get bit in the butt by denial. And boy, is it a, it's a big bite. So clever. I love all of it. And denial can really create this shaky foundation. If we're not seeing things clearly, we might not make good choices when it comes to partners or even address, you know, issues as you see them, which you've been talking about. And, and then it can lead to misunderstandings, which can lead to a communication breakdown and then ultimately ruin your relationship, um, especially if it's not a solid one. Absolutely. I call denial the Houdini of the heart. You know, he can, <laughs> denial can just make anything disappear. I don't want to see that. I don't want to know that. And then like the Wizard of Oz, you start to see things. And, you know, I say, do the emotional math. When you see stuff is not adding up. Like I was saying before, one excuse, one situation makes sense. It's plausible. Put it on paper. Add it up because when you see the reality in front of you, when you do the emotional math and you say, oh man, this doesn't add up, then you know you've got ignore that man behind the curtain and you're being told mistruths, lies, you're being manipulated, deceived, coerced by somebody else who's happy with the relationship the way it is because it's working for them, but not for you. Yeah, great points. Let's chat about trust. It's the base of a solid relationship. And you need to make sure that it's strong right from the start. Can um, How can you make sure that it's strong right from the start when you're just starting to date somebody? Well, that's a great question. And it goes back to what we were talking about a few moments ago. Trust is not what I say, but what I say and what I do. So using my watch out signs, paying attention to the small details, when they tell you they're going to call, when they tell you they're going to spend time with you, when they say we're going to we're going to go away for the weekend, when they say I've got the check, all the things that they tell you, do they deliver on, do they follow through, do they have consistency? Those are some of the things that tell you you can trust somebody. The, you know, the biggest element, the core element of denial in dating, in relationships, is the element of surprise. I say to all my patients, if you're surprised, you're in denial. Because this has happened enough for you to know it's going to happen. Like the woman I was telling you, I knew he was going to have a family crisis. I was not surprised. 
But I was not in denial. She was in denial because she wanted to have this relationship. So every time he would break plans with her, she would be surprised. And if you look at three broken dates, how do you trust that person to be there? One of the ingredients of trust is you will be there. That you will protect me. And people say, well, I'm trustworthy. So they go on the assumption, well, because I'm trustworthy, you'll be trustworthy as well. And then one of the biggest variables in our trusting against our gut, going against the grain is give somebody the benefit of the doubt. And people do that. They hear their gut and a lot of times we feel like we're such, we're so magnanimous. We're so generous. We're such a good, we're so understanding. I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. And you give people a, a, a wide margin to continue to be mistrustful and deceitful and manipulative and coercive. And what I talk about in my book on selfishness, selfish. Yeah. Listen, we all have to be honest about our feelings, our expectations, our intentions, because this sets the tone in the relationship right from the start. You also need to be reliable. If you're going to say that you're going to do something, then do it. Because like we spoke about before, consistency builds that trust. And then you have to also... Uh, Dr. Jane, and I'm sure you agree with all this as well, is respect each other's boundaries because it shows that you actually value and understand each other's comfort zones. And then be transparent, right? You got to share a little bit of your life. Now, you don't want to reveal your deepest secrets on a first date. You never want to do that, okay? (laughs) But being honest about your life builds a sense of trust. That is so that is so perfectly packaged. I mean, you said it. You need to be open. You don't, you're, you don't want to be an open suitcase. You want to be more of an, a book that you've opened to begin reading so that you're engaging with somebody. You're getting to know them. They're getting to know you. But what about when you're dating someone? This kind of came to my head. You're dating someone that doesn't really open up a lot. How can we get that out of them? Well, that's really, that's an important question because that could be a watch out sign. You need to be really careful that you don't start to work overtime to get them to emotionally connect and share with you. Before you realize it, you're pulling on them to be involved. And I say to women, listen, if they're not calling you and you're calling them, you might not realize it, but you're setting the tone For the relationship, you're going to be doing the engaging. You're going to be doing the reaching out. So you can get them to be involved by asking some personal questions and being curious. But the key is, are they responsive? If they're not open and sharing and you say, so tell me about your family or were you always, you know, um, interested in, in tennis or how did you wind up going to that college? Whatever question you ask, if they answer. And they don't engage and come back with you with, you know, so what about you? Watch out. It's time for us to take a short break. More insights await as we explore one of the things that we can't break. Trust. 
Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640 Toronto. It's Sunday night. I'm Laura Bellotta. We're resuming our conversation with Dr. Jane Greer to explore the nuances of trust and betrayal in romantic relationships. Let's get right back into it. Okay, let's talk or continue our conversation on trust and relationships. When, okay, when it comes to love, how important is trusting yourself and how can we get better at it? Well, so important. Trusting yourself is critical because that's the only way you can hold on to your truth, your reality, and most importantly, the feelings that you have. The way that you feel is your truth. If you feel ignored or neglected or put down, or hurt, or devalued. And that's what you want to address with a partner. If you don't trust yourself that this is your truth, this is how you feel, when they start to give you excuses, lead you down the lane of denial, pull the wool over your eyes, tell you that's not true, that's not how you feel, If you lose your trust in yourself, you will lose yourself and Mm -hmm. you will buy into their truth and their reality. You won't be able to hold on to yourself and you wind up continuing to be in a relationship where you want, where you feel badly and are made to feel badly about yourself as opposed to good about yourself. And I think you have to get to a place where you truly understand yourself. What matters to you in a relationship? What do you like? What don't you like? The type of person that you would get along with, the type of person that you definitely would not get along with. Learning from past relationships, you know, what worked, what didn't. Listening to the feeling inside of you. I mean, if something doesn't feel right, it probably isn't right. Um, Talking to your partner about things when they feel off. Also taking care of yourself. This is where the self-love comes in is really uh, taking care of yourself physically, emotionally, because when you feel good about yourself, it's easier to make good choices when it comes to love. Do you agree with all that? I agree with all of that. And you know what I want to say to your point, if it doesn't feel right, it's probably not right. That is so critical and so important because it doesn't mean that the relationship can't work or won't work. It does mean you need to work on the relationship. And so that means if it doesn't feel right, you want to talk to your partner about it, but you need to be able to speak to what's not working for you, what's feeling off, what's feeling badly. And the goal, when we say working on a relationship, it means that you bring your feelings and your needs to your partner, how you would like things to be different, and they relate they say, okay, I don't, I don't want to yell at you. I just get so upset. I'm sorry. I'm going to pay more attention. I'll try and take a break or take a breath or take a, you know, take a walk and come back. They relate to you. I, for example, not just in a relationship, but dating. I had one, one gal, she went out with this guy. I think it was the first or the second date. She liked him, but he said, um, do you want to split the check? she said no way exactly. she said absolutely not she said well why would I want to split the check so they went out another time and but that really that really stuck in her gut 
And I said to her, well, talk to him about it. She said, I'm not going out with him again. That's it. I said, talk to her, about, talk to him about it. See, see what he says. So she did. She said, you know, I was really taken aback because you asked me on the date, why would I want to split the check? And he said, well, you know, it's really progressive. A lot of women would get upset if I went to pay for them because they want to pay for themselves. So I wanted to give you the option. And she said, well, I don't want to ever pay. So he said, maybe if she's 20, <laughs> he said, fine. And do you know, they're married 25 years. <laughs> See? He communicates. Exactly. She told him what was upsetting. He related. He said, okay, fine. If that's what your need is, you need me to pay. So she says to me now, I kid him. I told you you'd be paying for the rest of your life when he carries on about the bills. <laughs> I love it. Okay, let's talk about trust in long-term relationships. Let's just say you're starting to have these feelings of doubt and you can't trust your partner anymore for whatever reason. What should you do? You've been in a long-term relationships. Maybe you have a family. You talk about it, but things don't seem to change and they seem to be doing things that go against your trust. What do you do in this situation? Because you don't just want to up and leave. No, but you do want to check it out. Yes. You so what, 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 what is your suggestion? Well, you pay attention to their comings and goings. You pay attention to their technology, their phones, their computers, their iPads, when they're taking phone calls, who they're talking to. If you're at an event or an occasion or a dinner and they're going out and they're gone for 10, 15 minutes, if they tell you I'm running an errand on a Saturday and they're gone for an hour, you pay attention to comings and goings, the quality of their involvement with you. And then you then you confront it. But sometimes it's so hard to prove things. Well, it's very hard to prove things. And not based only- on, Based on fact, like not actual facts, but it, mm, well, you're, you know, you're taking a little longer at the grocery store. Oh, I noticed that your phone is upside down all the time. Or I noticed you leave your car in, or your phone in the car. Yeah, well, what's going to make- going to turn sense? around and tell you you're nuts. Exactly. And not only that, even if they are involved, they're going to lie about it. You, you, <laughs> it. you know, if you confront somebody based on what you've seen- they're not going to believe you. So mm-hmm. I say to I say to women, if you're really or men, if you're really prepared to take the next step and deal with the fallout of the betrayal, check it out. If you have to go into their, you know, if you have to get the facts, get the bills, see where they're paying money, see if there are hotels on the bill, see the Amex, if they're spending dinners. I've had people who have found that jewelry's been born and they never received it, you know. Okay, I have this important question because I created this post on TikTok and Instagram and I got a little flack about it because um, it was something about asking to see their phone. Mm-hmm. What? How do you feel about that? Like normally I wouldn't be sitting there going, oh, let me check your phone every week to see what you're doing in there because you may be doing something that you shouldn't be doing because then you shouldn't be in that relationship. But if you've been in a relationship for a while and their actions are a little different and they're doing some sketchy things. I don't see an issue with asking to see their phone. And if they're not doing anything wrong, I don't see why they wouldn't give it up because I'm not doing anything wrong. And I know that if something was making my partner feel uncomfortable and I wanted to prove to them that I wasn't doing anything wrong, and maybe I'm working longer hours or maybe I'm starting to work with males, 
for example, right? Making them feel uncomfortable. Maybe I'm, I don't know, my attitude's changing a bit and I have nothing to hide. So I have no issues with showing my phone. What do you think about that? I agree with you a hundred percent. Thank you. Thank 100%. you. I Where want to hear, this. I, hear this. I had a couple one time and he was adamant that he was not having an affair. There was nothing going on. She found a few things that didn't add up. But I mean, he was really convincing. He just about had me believing him. And I said, look, if that's the deal, let her see your computer. From now on, she has to see your computer. Done. And yeah. you know what? Problem. He wouldn't. And she divorced okay. him two yeah. weeks later. Well, then you're hiding something. It's very clear exactly. to me. I'm sorry. Transparency has to be. I had a couple. Um, he used to go out and meet his lover on um Saturday mornings going to the grocery store. Yeah. After the affair and in the aftermath and the healing, he would say to his wife, Do you want to come with me to the grocery store? You have to be upfront, transparent, and disclosed. So what kind of slack did you get? Oh, you know, just about their you that's a red flag right there, asking to see the phone. I said, Well, read oh, the post, read the actual post. I don't know if people actually read the post, but you know, I'll be honest and transparent. I was in a relationship once where I, my ex was talking to their ex and I knew and I said, can I see your phone? And I could not get him to show me his phone. Like, And I was like trying to reach for it. And we were chasing each other. Around the house. This was years ago. And to this day, I know that there were secret messages on there. Because there's no way if you've got your girlfriend sitting there saying, okay, prove that you're not. Meanwhile, I knew that he was. Right, right. He's right, obviously right. lying. So right. I, I and there, tell no more. <laughs> there is nothing worse than being lied to. And no. I, I will tell you, with both men and women in all the affairs that people have had, what I hear more often than not is not so much that they cheated but that they lied about they it. Lied about it. Because because that you then lie to yourself. You know, my book on betrayal is how could you do this to me? Learning to trust after betrayal. And trusting yourself is the most important healing step back. We're gonna take another quick break. Stay tuned for more insights. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's News. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellata, and we're continuing our exploration of trust in romantic relationships with Dr. Jane Greer. All right, uh, all right, Dr. Jane, let's shift our focus. How can couples make sure that they're building a strong and secure relationship while avoiding betrayals, what simple steps can they take to make their bond solid and trustworthy? The most important thing to keep couples close and connected and feeling intimate so that there isn't room for a third person to come between them is to be able to share their feelings and have their partner hear them, understand them and relate to them. That's the only way to deal with anger and disappointment and resentment. So it doesn't build and build and build till it reaches a point of toxicity and destroying and dividing couples. 
So regularly checking in about feelings and concerns that you may have, sharing different experiences together. Um, also, I love, I think you mentioned being supportive. Did you mention well, being supportive? I, I, I talked about it. Being supportive means, you know, a lot of times I, I people do what I call, I'll see your stress and raise you. Being supportive. They, they tell their partner their day and what they went through and how stressful it was. And they want the support. Boy, that sounds like a hard day. Boy, it sounds like you're really overloaded. And what they get instead was, or is their partner saying, you think you had a hard day? And then they launch into their day which I call, I'll see your stress and raise you. And so nobody connects and each person comes away feeling unsupported. Support is first relating to what your partner is saying. Boy, that must've been hard. Support is empathy. Support is making your partner feel understood. So but you and it, but it's hard to support a partner when they're lying to you or have lied to you. So be mindful of that. Well, you don't want to support them around their lies. You want to be supportive on a an, in a helpful way in terms of what their needs are, mm-hmm. but not around believing their lies because then you become a facilitator. Yeah. And then also spending, making sure that you spend quality time together, you know, putting away your phones, doing things that you both enjoy. And then I like this one. What, how do you feel about this one? Going to bed together. One of you may be tired, the other one may not be tired, but then you can just lay in bed and do other things like read. What do you what do you think of that? People have different t- um, temperatures in terms of when they're ready to go to bed, when they're tired. We've got the late night people and the early birds and they clash. We have people who like to watch television and the other person likes to read. So it becomes disruptive to be in the same room at the same time. If you can do it, it's great. I can do it. Because my, my partner goes to sleep, he's he's out. Which is, which, <laughs> but if you can't do it, it doesn't yeah. mean that it's going to cut into or cut down your intimacy. But then at least, well, because so, some couples they sleep in separate bedrooms because one person snores. But at least right. you know throughout the day, if you're doing these things, show love and appreciation through other small gestures like hugs, kisses, kind words, massages. I love being touched. If your partner's love language is physical touch, for goodness sakes. Touch them. <laughs> Touch <laughs> them often. And, and you know, the thank you. People take for granted, but the thank you is so powerful. A cup of coffee in the morning, thank you. Newspapers or listening, thank you, thank you. Anything that acknowledges and expresses appreciation and gratitude goes a long way to making your partner feel loved and feel valued, as opposed to feeling taken advantage of and not appreciated or feeling used. All right. Let's talk about big and then small trust issues. A small trust issue, uh, trust issue could be like a little hiccup. Maybe someone forgot to do something small or there was a misunderstanding or something. And then um, you can, you, you know, you can usually talk this out and then fix it with a good conversation. On the other hand, what does a big trust issue look like and how can we tell the difference? Well, you said it. A little trust issue is typically based on the behaviors that are annoying, frustrating, irritating, where somebody is unreliable or undependable. They tell you they're going to pick up the laundry, but they don't. They tell you they're going to get the tickets, but they don't. They tell that happens you all the time. 
Right. But it is, it is, it is an element of trust. Right. It is their word. It is integrity. Integrity. It's being able to depend on somebody. That's dependability. It's reliability. It's feeling supported. It's all those things, which is why people start to fight. You said you were going to do this and you didn't do it. I can't rely on you. I can't depend on you. I have to do it all myself. I don't feel supported. That's, those are the smaller trust issues. What about when people say, well, I lied because I knew that you would get upset regardless of the outcome? Yes. Well, that's why everybody lies, because nobody wants to deal with the other person's anger. And we know that if we tell them, they're going to be upset. So it's easier to avoid the anger and do what you want to do and hope that you don't get caught for so many people than it is to just say, I'm going to do this and have somebody just front and center mad at you. So it, it, it's easier to lie. But the big betrayal issues are when there is somebody who's come into the equation. You know, either there's an emotional affair going on, your partner is spending time away from you, they're vague about their whereabouts, their appearance may be changing, their... Um, Interest in you is either greater or less. Sometimes when somebody's cheating, they become more attentive and more beholden with gifts to throw you off course to keep you not being suspicious. Mm -hmm. Sometimes if you're not being sexual, suddenly you'll see an increase in your intimacy so that you don't start to think or suspect that they're sleeping with somebody else. Betrayal, affairs, emotional, sexual, those are the big ones. The smaller ones that are the foundations of trust are the behavioral ones that go on, you know, all the time. So, and I want to talk about trust and intimacy. And I know, I know this firsthand. Trust is what makes a deep connection happen in a relationship. It's a key ingredient for feeling close and comfortable with each other. From your perspective, what impact does trust have on intimacy in relationships? Because listen, if I ain't trusting my partner, I'm probably not going to want to have sex with them. But I know this is not the case for other people. Some people like that tumultuous energy that goes on between the two of them because they think that, you know, sex is greater. But uh, for the most part, I think that it just ruins the intimacy. What do you think? Well, it depends on how people feel about themselves sexually and what their sexual esteem is their sexual self-esteem is you know trust is you will be there for me so if you trust somebody and you feel that they will be there for you you feel safe to be sexual and intimate with them and share your most personal desires and sexuality sometimes people put their sexuality as a vehicle for self-esteem that even if you're mistreating me, I can seduce you back. Even if you're being unavailable, I can seduce you back. That the protection and the person being there becomes secondary to feeling powerful and in control of the relationship by being sexual, by being intimate. And People protect themselves through their sexuality by being the ones who either will or will not have sex. Now, what about couples that have different needs for closeness? Let's, let's just say one person feels close when they're having sex or engaging in sex. 
and likes to have more sex while the other party likes to just hold hands, kiss, touch, cuddle, and likes to be intimate that way. Now, maybe these things did not show up early on in the relationship because we're supposed to have these conversations early on before we get serious. But then you're in a relationship for a few years and then this starts happening where one person just doesn't like to have sex as often, but still wants to maintain that intimacy, but in other ways. Well, it it's very often it doesn't just happen later on. It's oh, it, oftentimes it's there. It's like what I said. If you're the pursuer, you're going to be the pursuer. I mean, I work with a lot of couples, young people who are not having sex or not having sex as much as they want. Very often, because of different levels of desire, people are not necessarily sexually matched in terms of frequency, how often they have sex and how frequently they have it. So if you don't deal with the differences early on, they, i.e. denial, because you're in love and you're having sex all the time, but there are differences that can be noted. You're going to be surprised when suddenly you're not having sex as much and it becomes a power struggle. It becomes a conflict. I can't tell you how many people I have that are in anguish and pain, lying in bed at night, waiting for their partner to initiate sex Mm -hmm. and being upset and angry, you know, so initiate then you, you take the initiative, but they will say I did. And then I got rejected and then they Mm -hmm. boomerang and they're not going to do it again. And now they're going to stand on ceremony. It is people are so sensitive. And then, you know what, this is a topic for an entire show. We're going to do an entire show on this <laughs> for sure. And this, remi- this reminds me of this conversation. I'm, I was on Clubhouse during the pandemic. I built a club on there with 100,000 singles in it. I remember this guy coming into one of the rooms and talking about how his girlfriend complains because he wants sex too much. We were like, we were like, well, how often do you want sex? He's like, well, five times a day. I'm like, who the heck has time? to have sex five times a day. I'm sorry, but who has time for it? Right. <laughs> right. And that's not, a, that, that's a very um, abundant appetite. Uh, you know, that's not typically the norm. So it's always finding the middle ground in terms of how hungry are you? I could eat or you could have a little bit and keep your partner, as you say, company. So find that balance. Thanks a bunch for hanging out with us on the Dating and Relationship Show. Our chat with Dr. Jane Greer about denial, trust, betrayal, and intimacy was eye-opening. We hope it gives you some useful pointers for your own relationships. And remember, getting uh, how these things work is the key to making your relationships better and more meaningful. Dr. Jane Greer, love you. You're amazing. Where can people learn more about you and grab a copy of your book? Oh, wonderful. Go to drjanegreer.com, www.drjanegreer.com. My website has all my books. You can go to Amazon as well. Am I lying to myself? How could you do this to me? What about me? Denial, betrayal, selfishness, they're all there. So take and, a look. And thank you guys. Um, check me out on Instagram, official or lot as well on TikTok. And also, um, if you wanted to listen to this show or any past shows again, you can just download them off the uh, Global News Radio website. Thanks again, guys, for tuning in. Until next week, ciao for now.